You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414 414- You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Hotep and greetings, my sisters and brothers. Welcome to the Black Reality Think Tank, and I am your host, William Rogers. Thank you so much for being with us here again on a Tuesday evening. Uh, we are experiencing and enjoying some very nice weather today here in Wisconsin, which is unusual. I hope that you are enjoying a nice day where you are in the part of the country that you're in. So again, thank you so much for being here. We've very dynamic, very important subject <clears throat> that we must discuss tonight. Um, I would be remiss uh, in my duty as the, the host and producer of the Black Reality Think Tank uh, not to embark on this, this talk. It is extremely necessary. And so tonight, the subject of our program is the embryo of American racism. The embryo of American racism. We have just experienced a very tragic incident. We, we all know, the whole world knows about it. And uh, we know some of the details of that. And so we're not here to just talk about the details. We, we need to talk about the cause, the effect. And that will let us know that we must act uh, because this is not going to go away. This is not going to end. You're not going to legislate this away. You're not going to do it. This spirit has been around for a long, long, long time. And so tonight we are going to engage you, our wonderful Black Reality Think Tank audience. We always appreciate your input and what you do here. We're going to just discuss this idea and maybe look at some points that we might not have thought about as we were being bombarded by the media uh, with this uh, horrible incident tonight. Uh, and so we want to talk about it here uh, as, as well and kind of look, as I said, deeply uh, into the womb of this, this uh, occurrence. We uh, have other programs that we do here on the Black Reality Think Tank, and I'm sure that many of them are going to be covering this discussion uh, in this week coming up. But we're kind of going to take the lead off on this and uh, look at, as I said, some areas that just may not have been considered uh, as we begin to try to analyze and understand uh, this incident. And then always, my thoughts are always here to ask this question what do we tell our children about this incident what what do we say uh, how do we explain that in detail because that is the future that is uh, they'll be looking back at this as history and what is it that they need to understand uh, as they try themselves depending on their ages and so forth how to process uh, this horrible incident <clears throat> 
Uh, so that's what we're going to do tonight. That is our mission. And uh, like I said, we're going to engage all of you. We don't necessarily have a special guest. Uh, we're just going to do this as a group. And hopefully you will be able to uh, uh, look at something that we can walk away here with that it will help us uh, process uh, this horrible incident. Uh, according to the New York Review uh, magazine, on Saturday uh, afternoon in the parking lot of a neighborhood grocery store, an 18-year-old who was armed with a semi-automatic assault rifle with the N-word emblazoned on its front sight began shooting. Shots cracked in the air, piercing through an unusually warm 80-degree spring afternoon in Buffalo, New York. The teenager, who was later identified by the police, was domed in military camouflage. He was draped in body armor, and he wore a camera to capture his bloody rampage. When the shooting stopped, 13 people had been hit. Ten of them were killed. Eleven of those who were shot were black. The gunman was captured by the police when he left the grocery store, and by late Saturday night, he was arraigned on charges of first-degree murder. The shooter is allegedly to have uh, posted hundreds and hundreds of pages of a manifesto avowing white supremacist beliefs. And in that hate-filled text document, he had denounced uh, immigrants, uh, he had denounced black people as replacers of white people. The notion that white people are being replaced has recently moved from the fringes of the far-right politics to mainstream Republican Party politics. The Fox News personality uh, Tucker Carlson has helped to popularize this ideology and has dovetailed seamlessly within the rhetoric of the Republican Party, which has insisted on describing the arrival of immigrants at the southern border seeking entry into the U.S., as asylum seekers, as an invasion. So the shooter uh, rationalized his vicious attack by trying to fit this in to, to his grand esoteric conspiracy of what's called white replacement through immigration. This manifesto that we are talking about, by contrast, it was filled with crudely you know, racist memes about black Americans. In fact, all of his denunciation of replacers in this manifesto, which is an archive of his post on the messaging platform Discord from the past six months, barely mentions immigrants. Instead, he writes prolifically and despairingly about black people, whom he incessantly describes in racial slurs. And in a search, if you go through the archive post beginning in 2021, the word immigrant appears 12 times, according to the New York Review. Uh, replacement, 18 times. Replacer, 22 times. But blacks and the N-word appears over 100 times. 
the manifesto was intended to confer a sense of intellectual sophistication on his savage act. But the shooter's discord posts are full of elementary, even banal stereotypes about black people as genetically inferior, as predisposed to crime, etc. The shooter claims inspiration from the white supremacists who murdered 51 worshippers at a mosque uh, at Christ Church in New Zealand in 2019. The, ch- the Christ Church shooter also recorded his massacre and left a manifesto. Dylan Roof also had a manifesto uh, that that he used as well. But all of the Buffalo shooters professed inspiration from that Christ Church massacre. His actions were seeming to flow primarily from homegrown resentments. Uh, he searched by zip code, for instance, for the largest black population close to where he lived in order to kill as many blacks as possible. His research led him to a grocery store on the city's east side along the Jefferson Avenue commercial corridor running through the heart of Black Buffalo. Buffalo is a highly segregated city uh, with blacks living in a specific uh, area. So it was very easy to hone in and to be able to pinpoint where blacks may be. Once uh, startling, noteworthy mass shootings uh, have begun to meld into the background of life here in America. Since January of 2022, there have been almost 200 shootings involving at least four victims that have been shot or killed, according to the Gun Violence Archives. A recent report that was published by the CDC showed that from 2019 to 2020, the overall homicide rate involving a firearm rose by nearly 35%. The Buffalo Massacre stands not only because of the number of people killed, but because of the political nature of the assault. This must be viewed within the context of the growing normalization of racism and political violence in the U.S. And as I quoted earlier, if Dylan Dylan Roof, the white racist who killed nine black parishioners in the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in June of 2015, helped to inaugurate the racial grievance at the core of the Trump presidency, then the Buffalo Killers killing spree may be emblematic of its still rippling effects. Dylan Roof, whom the Buffalo shooter acknowledges as his manifesto as a freedom fighter, also penned a manifesto full of deranged ideas linking black crime with the decline of life who's uh, uh, in the United States. Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma bomber, did the same thing. He was motivated and guided by a book called The Turner Diaries. And so in these books and manifesto, and in particular in this manifesto, the Buffalo shooter 
writes, blacks are the most privileged race in the U.S. and many Western countries, but yet they are the most oppressed. What other race is given trillions of dollars of white taxpayer money to succeed, but yet fails and then turns around and asks for more? What other race actively destroys their community like they do? The comments do not sound very different from those made by President Trump, former President Trump, who tweeted in the summer of 2019 of the late African-American Congressman Elijah Cummins' majority black Baltimore district. Why is, and he said in that tweet, why is so much money sent to Elijah Cummins' district when it is considered the worst run and most dangerous anywhere in the United States? No human would want to live there. Where's all the money going? How much is stolen? And Cummings District, Cummings District is a disgusting, rat and rodent festing mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. Trump cuddled out white supremacists during his presidency, as we know. And he has openly stroked racial animus, unshackled the Republican Party from, from norms long held in mainstream politics. One day prior to Ruth's mass murder, Trump announced his candidacy for president in New York City and called Mexican immigrants rapists. When white supremacists marched through Charlottesville, Virginia in the summer of 2017, screaming, Jews will not replace us. Trump claimed that some of the Democrats were very fine people. And so, my brothers and sisters, and so, my brothers and sisters, I think what I'm saying, and we can continue to go through this on and on, is that this pattern needs to tell us something, that this is just not some soul uh, a lone gunman who was upset and mad about something. This is a movement. Uh, this is a continuous movement. And so tonight here, I want to propose uh, a couple of things. Uh, this movement did not just start with Donald Trump as president. Uh, it did not start with some of the other 20th century presidents like Woodrow Wilson and others who we know were rabid racists. Uh, this started at the onset of the development of these 13 colonies, original colonies that were British. This started uh, in the homelands of Europe um, and other areas of the, of the Americas. And uh, this behavior, this ideology uh, is deeply rooted uh, in that age, and it continues to plague today. I had put up on a quote in terms of, of our promotion, a quote that uh, the great James Baldwin said. He said, white people are trapped in a history they don't understand. And he's so right, and also I think sometimes our people don't quite understand uh, where that entrapment lies. And so we only have a, a two-hour broadcast, as all of you know, and the time goes so fast sometimes, and we can't always get to everything. We can't talk about all of it. 
but I wanted I want to mention this and um, we can explore this now or later but a lot of this history and what Baldwin was talking about starts in the development of religion it, it became a part of the principle uh, of early religion and the early religion as we all know begins with the Catholic Church that was the only religion at one time uh, in the early Europe uh, it was the church the Catholic Church and the ideology and philosophy of, of some of the things that they developed uh, was engrossing of this, this rabid racism that we see now today a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was political uh, it was politics it was a need to get people committed uh, to the idea of the Catholic Church. That's why they had enforced laws that would kill you uh, if you did not follow the path of the church. They fought many wars over the religion. And we can go in and take a look page by page uh, at some of the ideology that rests in the, in the thought of Catholicism and what that meant and how it was used and how it was used to destroy uh, other people. And so what we caught in the beginning of the transatlantic slave system and all of the ideology of that, we began to see that language pop up in different places. Uh, I spoke of a book uh, a couple of weeks ago on another program that was published by a, a, uh, a divinity school uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. And I've said this several times on this program. Uh, the name of the book was A Negro, A Beast. And even though, however, its rhetoric does not necessarily, it's very clear that it, it was not true and we can always dispute it, but it's just how it's used and how it's promoted. Because you must remember that a lot of this racist, rabid behavior that we saw in the South among the Klan and the White Citizens Council, these are church-going, supposedly Christians. Is promoted at that. They, they burnt crosses in your yard. A cross is the crucifixion symbol of Christianity. There's a message here about this, and it was used to brand into people's spirits, into their minds, and to use it. They wrote books on how to convert black people to Christians. There's a book, it's how to make a Negro a Christian. And so the point that I'm making then is that... Um, what we are seeing with the Dylan Roos, the Timothy McVeighs, uh, and this white boy here in uh, Buffalo has been going on a long time, and it will continue to flow uh, in, that, in that way. This deep-seated racism uh, we saw in the George Floyd killing. Um, we see it in other areas. We see it in the attack. We saw it in Lindsey Graham. Um, and some of those rabid uh, current American senators who were attacking uh, the sister that was going before the Supreme Court. And their, their talk about, um, you know, the whole the idea of uh, literature and education around race and uh, uh, critical race theory and some of the language and why that is something that they want, don't want to do and, and the whole process of banning books 
and things that we were talking, the attack on the 1619 Project. You know, whether you agree with it or not, it's still an attack that has nothing to do with what's in it. It's just based on uh, this racist ideology. We are seeing it today in these elections. This today was primary day for some states. North Carolina, Georgia's got one coming up next week. And these are racist issues that are being brought forward. And it's getting worse. And it didn't, as I said, it didn't start with Trump. And this killing, very clearly, in Buffalo, um, gives us an idea of the level um, of, of, this, of these uh, assaults and how they are going to uh, continue to flow. Um, Buffalo was a, is, a, is a unique city. It is one of the poorest cities in the nation. Uh, and the poverty is concentrated in the neighborhoods with the largest black population. We said that. Racism there comes not only in the form of a teenage white supremacist murdering black people in a grocery store, it is also evident in the policies that encourage divestment from public schools attended by black students. It, it comes about in the annual failure to develop affordable housing policies and the continued use of fees and fines that disproportionately impact the black residents of Buffalo. And at a vigil on Sunday, uh, near the site of the, of the massacre, uh, where hundreds gathered to honor the dead, the Reverend Denise Walden Glenn uh, gathered there as well to honor the dead. The Reverend Denise Walden Glenn spoke to the crowd and implored them to go beyond decrying this racist attack to address these long-standing inequities in black buffalo. And so what we see when we see that, we are looking at systemic problems, systemic racism. Yes, this was an 18, 19-year-old boy who came up here, and his heart was so full of hate that he came to kill us, uh, as the pastor told the crowd. Someone knew enough to enter the one store that we have here to shadow our world and devastate our community. While we are talking about increasing the police budget by $5.4 million, we need to talk about where to invest that money into our communities and into our people. Uh, the conservative hysteria that seeks to envelop American history today, as we look at it, is in a shroud of innocence and ignorance, a lot of ignorance, and thus refuses to acknowledge the roots of racial inequality and residential segregation. Right here in the city that I'm speaking of today, about three blocks from where I'm talking, uh, is a major road, highway, called Sherman Boulevard. And it goes uh, all the way from North Avenue all the way up maybe about five, six miles. It is, has turned into a complete Indianapolis 500 raceway. They race cars up and down here so many people have been killed. Two, do two blocks from where I live, a car was overturned, a uh, woman thrown out of the car and slammed up against the church. It's, it's right across the street from where I live. There's a church, and she died in the front yard of the uh, Assemblies of God church. Uh, and it's continuing. The Buck game, the Milwaukee Bucks were playing a championship game uh, we're going against the Boston Celtics, and after the game was over, a group of young boys opened up fire 
on patrons, randomly shooting uh, and, and wounding several, several people. I don't think anyone was killed, but a lot of people were wounded about that. And the question is, they saying that, what do we do about this? One proposal was made is that we put Milwaukee on a curfew. Uh, and we uh, put some real tight restrictions around the area. Will this, will this work? Will this stop the shootings and killings? I think not. Uh, that is strictly a Band-Aid approach. Uh, because the problem and what these young folk are doing and why they're doing it, what they do here in this city, uh, is systemic. Milwaukee has, Milwaukee has the largest number of black males incarcerated in the prison system than any city or state in America. It has more black men in prison than New York, California. Uh, the education system here is horrible. A couple of weeks ago, we had the superintendent, of the, a former superintendent of Milwaukee Public Schools on our program, talk to him. And he said when he went in the office, he went like a crusader. He wanted to make some changes. And he said what he realized is you couldn't change Jack S. He couldn't do anything. This is a heavily Republican. We had the state senator, black woman, sister, good sister, Democrat, had her on to talk about it. Ask her why did she think that problem was so deep. And she talked about all the Republicans uh, uh, that up in those other northern cities of Wisconsin that just block everything that come through and we don't have enough representation to override a lot of that and so legislation gets passed. Wisconsin was the first state uh, to implement a horrible program called W-2 which means welfare to work and these were mothers, single mothers with children who were going to be forced to go to work with minimal jobs working in factories uh, and they've got some factories here that are just like plantations uh, and they will go there from work 12 hours all day leave and a lot of the buildings uh, the places were way out so they had to find transportation out there the urban league was trying to get buses so you know the, the problem is systemic and so we're talking about ending it we're talking about trying to find solutions and et cetera. Um, it's, it's, it raises some a whole lot of other things that you're not going to answer sitting here on the Black Reality Think Tank or any think tank or CBS or uh, Meet the Press. You're not going to find that answer there. Uh, you're not going to find that answer in writing a grant to somebody and running a program and you expect to end how all of this works. It's going to require our community, all of us, to come together and look something. It's going to be long-term, too. It's got to be involved in education uh, and some, a lot of the issues. And you can see the results. And I think that's what we're saying about Buffalo. Buffalo was an industrial town. Uh, and it was one of those towns that uh, um, a lot of in it. Ford had a plant there. Ford had a plant there in Buffalo. I have a sister who was supposed to come on tonight. She lived in Buffalo. She was born and raised there. Lived there till she was in her 20s. 
you know, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you know, though if she does come on and about the whole Buffalo experience and what it is. But that doesn't matter. There's a whole lot of cities like that, a whole lot of Buffaloes uh, all over the country, and there's going to be more shootings and killings. Um, this this animal uh, had planned to use daycares. They said he was planning to go into daycares, go and go to in churches uh, and shoot and kill. And he may not do it, but it's passed on through that network that he comes from. There's a network of these people. Dylan Roof had a network. It's, it's hard to track it because the system is not going to track it in the way that they would um, if it was a black supremacist kind of group. Uh, they wouldn't tra- track it like that. They're not going to get into it in the way that it needs to be done uh, to do that. But this is clearly... These folk write books about doing this, as they did very early, as they did, as I said, with the Timothy McVeigh. You know, he, uh, when Ed Bradley interviewed him, he said, "Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm tired of all this," and he used the Turner Diaries as a guide for doing this. There, if you go onto the website of David Duke, you will see the literature and the books that the far right uses uh, to carry this out. And what I think is one of the most interesting things about the Baltimore, I mean, about the Buffalo killing is, is this demon is saying he's not guilty. And it's obviously very clearly a strategy move uh, to do that because the, lead, the lawyers will come together and uh, they'll do some strange, weird kind of fighting and create some laws, and he would avoid, obviously, death penalty. So that's a good possibility of what happens, will happen. Uh, but these are networks. So tonight I want to ask you all, the Black Reality Think Tank audience, consider what some of your thoughts are. Um, and I think, the, the obviously, the ultimate uh, question and an idea that needs to be discussed is how do we, number one, prepare for more of this to come for our children? What do we? How do we deal with that? Uh, how do we begin to, um, uh, in our own families and our own kids, how do we stop them? How do we, how do we deal with this gun problem, of this violence problem that we see in a lot of our cities? And I know I've called out. Milwaukee because I live here and I've been watching this happen over the last two or three months Um, and I've heard many reasons why this is going on and what's happening everything from there's lead in the water that's gotten into the kids brains and disrupted them to that problem of education Uh, Milwaukee is still plagued by single family headed households Uh, mothers trying to raise four and five kids and now it's even going further it's now grandmothers are trying to raise three and four kids because the mother, their daughters, are in prison or dead. You know, COVID wiped out a lot of people. Um, and so what it didn't do, violence has done. And then the penitentiary system picks up from there. A lot of black women, mothers in prison. There's so many that the federal government attempted to come out with a program 
uh, to support children of incarcerated parents. They were grant they were giving out money to fund programs of anybody that ran a program uh, to provide uh, support for children of incarcerated parents. And that included a lot of mothers. And so, so the grandmothers got to read. Grandmothers, 40, 30, sometimes even 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, getting ready to the retirement years, and they've got to raise eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids. And all of you who have children, you know what it's like uh, to have to try to deal with 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, what it would be like at a, as a 65 or 70-year-old grandparent to try to deal with a 16-year-old boy who's now filling his oats and being able to control that. But that's the situation that we have at hand. And so we've got to respond to this and come up with something. We've got to ask the hard question. You know, and like I said, the answer is not going to be readily at the tip of your tongue and it's not going to be done sitting here on the Black Reality Think Tank or any other place of that nature. So I want to uh, open up our gates. So we're going we're gonna to kind of start early. We're going to start now and uh, take a look at it. I'm going to start off by calling on my very good friend um, who uh, has been working with his grandchildren and he's been going in and out of our program. He can't, he hasn't been able to talk like he normally does, but I see he's on now and I want to catch him now before he has to go do some grand folk stuff. Um, so with that, Brother Timothy, how you doing tonight? Brother Timothy, how you doing tonight? So <laughs> he might be doing that now because a couple of times I call him, he's, he's, he's working with his grandkids and they're little. And he's trying to get them and get them to eat, go to bed before time for school, but he hasn't. Brother Timothy, you still there? Okay. Uh, Brother White, Herbie White, how you doing tonight, Brother White? Good evening, Mr. Rogers. How are you? Okay, doing great, doing great. What do you think of this <laughs> crazy mess? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I'm just saying, what are, what are your thoughts on this crazy stuff that we going through in this world? Well, this is the intentions of white people that goes back to the very beginning. Right. And right now it's taking this form, but it's other forms with the same results. A hundred years ago, this boy would have never been arrested. That's, that's true. He would have never been arrested. Because it wouldn't have been a crime for what he what he did. So what he was doing, he was just, he's just honoring the legacy of his ancestors, his ideological ancestors. Mm -hmm. This thing about not being replaced, this goes. That was one of the uh, policies of Senator Bilbo back in the thirties. Yep. You know, so you know from from. Jim Crow to slavery to everything else is is just is just taking this form because because of, because of the time exactly it's just a form but the, the our problems are the are the problems of our fathers and our grandfathers and our great grandfathers dealing with this white person 
the children's Good behavior vouchers is based on the oppression that they live under every day. Because most of the behavior that they engage in, not violent behavior, is self-destructive behavior. Right. People die as a result of it, but it's destructive behavior because the ones that engage in this behavior, by the time they're 20 years old or 23 years old, they're either in jail for the rest of their life or dead. Right. So you ask yourself, you ask an 8 or 10-year-old black child, uh, what do they want to be? They're not going to tell you a murderer and I want to murder somebody and spend the rest of my life in jail. That's not what they say at 8 or 10 years old. But by the time they're 19 or 20, that's what they're doing. That's exactly it. They've been transformed by oppression. They see they don't they don't see that, that they're part of anything and that they could ever become anything. And that results in anger and frustration and hopelessness. Right. That's just all part of of, of, of white supremacy. It's, it's what you call trauma. When you don't feel like that things are ever going to get better for you, what difference does it make? Yeah. Can't see that hope. No hope. No hope. And white people design it that way. Mm-hmm. Anytime something, anytime black people do something progressive, it gets destroyed. And this goes back a long, long ways. Long you can ways. go all the way back to to the Ben Conference mm-hmm. when all of those countries decided what they were going to do in Africa to everybody. That nobody in Africa's life mattered. A whole continent of people. That was after several hundred years of the Aladdin slave trade. That's right. So when you look at all of that and you're looking at your options, there's nothing for you but frustration. The fact that we've done as much as we've done and do as much as we do, it's a miracle. And we haven't given up, and we're not giving up. Exactly. Excellent assessment. Excellent. And it's like you said, it's been going on a long time. It's used in religion. Um, you know, whites were told by their own people that we were... Um, cursed by God that we had been cursed uh, they used the story of Noah as a documentation we, and we all know that that's not true but it's just the way it's used people who are themselves struggling to survive and who are ignorant and don't read they'll believe anything it's true as, 
as far as they're concerned. Yeah, because they're concerned. That's right. And if they're in positions of power or have any authority over anything, they'll use that ideology to Im- implement it. Nothing you do to change it. So that's why we got work ahead of us. <clears throat> and uh, so. When right. Andrew Jackson implemented the Indian Removal Act, he said he was doing that to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. He was being kind to them. That's right. Same thing they said in slavery. They said the Africans yeah. were heathen. They lived in a heathen land. They didn't have. They walk around with no clothes on, bones up their nose. They, we needed to help them, make them Christians, give them some life. So that's why we did slavery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Work all those evil thoughts out of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Dr. Rogers. Thank you so much, Brother White. I appreciate that as well, too. And you're right, uh, brothers and sisters, that's the... James, as I, as I said earlier, for those of you who were, were on, if you weren't on, uh, one of the promo pieces for tonight's program was a quote by James Baldwin. It says, white people are trapped in a history that they don't understand. And uh, we, uh, using that quote, the sort of launch dis- discussion that we are launching into, they don't know their, first of all, they don't know their own history. And, uh, and obviously not knowing their own history, uh, they're not going to know anything about ours, Native Americans, uh, any of that. Uh, Excuse me, Dr. Rogers? Yes, sir. Go right ahead. And something else that I noticed that they said as soon as they he did it, they said he was working alone. He he said again, said again. As soon as, as, soon as they caught him, they said he was working alone. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That was the first thing that the news used. Exactly right. There's mm-hmm. a there's a brother. <clears throat> he he, uh, he writes a column for somewhere. He talked about some of the the, the discrimination of the media in in telling this story, and that was one of the first ones. Is that he was alone uh, uh, act, and we know very clearly he this is not a lone act. Just like Dylan Roof wasn't a lone act, Timothy McVeigh wasn't a lone act. Uh, these are conspiracy networks that are operating in various parts of the world supporting each other there's a team there's a team of attorneys lawyers this is a well-known fact that are trained to support white supremacists when they are caught in some of the things that they do uh, in a lot of cases they are backed by congressmen and they are backed in a way uh, that they they tell them what to do. Like the first thing he said, he was not guilty. And a lot of money is raised for them. And they raise money for them. So this is kind of like warfare. Um, uh, I want to just remind our audience uh, as well, too, that your mics are very sensitive. The phones, if you're on the telephone, very sensitive movement of the phone, we can pick that up. So in some cases, I was just trying to silence your mic because we are hearing that, and it is a distraction. So if you could just either mute it on your own, I'd appreciate it. Uh, so that and then when we get ready to talk, you can unmute it, and, uh, you know, we can be able to talk. Okay, uh, Brother Timothy, you back? 
Yes, sir. Can you hear me, sir? Yeah, okay. There we go. I was just telling our audience before. Yeah, yes, they... sir. I... Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. And, sir, uh, just getting out of class and wonderful day in class. But you know what, sir? We discussed, we discussed what went on with these white supremacists, you know? Okay. And my uh, martial arts instructor is a principal. And my martial arts is a principal. And, you know, we always practice gunshots fired, you know? And we have a, a special alarm in Philadelphia when g open gunfire is going on. You know, you, you lay down a certain way, you're supposed to stand still. And, sir, these people are not going to stop killing us. I don't think people understand it. Right. These people are, have this hate in them. Look at America. What is America built on? Right. White supremacy. And basically what James Baldwin was saying, it's an ignorance. Uh, it's a hate. You're right. It's a hate based on ignorance. They, they are ignorant to who they are. They're ignorant to how they are caught up in history. Uh, and obviously these acts that they carry out are part of that ignorance. Uh, but I'll kind of say this also, Dr. Rogers. I learned something throughout life. I think hate is stronger than love. Mm -hmm. Hate is a very strong emotion. No, very strong emotion. <clears throat> so yeah, and see, guess what? You're not going to change some people. Like, I know some people who had went in, in the incarceration uh, system to talk to Dylan Roof, and he never changed his mind about what he did. Yeah. So, and that, you know, some people are forward and forceful to it, and we have to learn who our open enemies are and who our enemies are that look like us. <laughs> so, and you got to go forth with thinking correctly and being around uh, uh, your own people. And you, like we always talk about nation time and security and economics and education and, and the sociology and the politics. And we have to have that and teach that in our homes, Dr. Rogers. Yep. Let me ask you, Brother Timothy, uh, what do you think, from your perspective, what do you think we, we need to do? Uh, what needs to happen to stop this madness, or can it be stopped? Well, Dr. Ross, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to be frank with you, and I'm going to be serious. Go right ahead. You know, a lot of this stuff would, would stop with retaliation. The first thing would say when somebody's unfortunately doing bodily harm to us, when we're fighting back, they're going to say, oh, people are getting killed. we got to stop it. When you just let people wholesale just come in a church while people are having Bible study and they spray them, and you said, well, let, 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 let's forgive them. You know, come on, man. Yeah. Somebody, you know, they got to be punished. Let's forgive them. You know, don't don't do don't don't be that ignorant and dumb. But but give me your thought. You know, and like I said, you know, if it's something that you're not prepared to address right now, what what do you think needs to happen? What does the black community need to do to stop this kind of well, well, attacks against us as a community? Sure, sure. Well, you know, we need self defense, like we have things in our in our culture that we should be teaching. Self-defense, economics, homeland, knowledge of self, and loving one another. It starts there. Okay. And when it comes to self-defense, we got to learn how to defend ourselves educationally, politically, and socially. And guess what? When people do these things, when they're apprehended and corrected in, 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 in the right frame of mind and physically, I think it will slow it down. Okay. Okay. All right. You know, slow it down. Okay. And I know you've got the right teacher uh, to do that. Yeah. That, that's right. That's, that's right. right. And that's good. I know uh, 
destination. You know what? You know you you're not going you're not going mess around with too many Muslims. You're not going to go and rob a Muslim store. You know you're not you're not going to attack a Muslim woman. Malcolm X said the most uh, disrespected woman is the black woman. Right. He and, and with that we believe in protecting our women. Right. First and foremost. Great, great. Okay, all right, that's great. Thank you so much, Brother Timothy. I'm glad you're doing okay and the grandkids are doing fine. That's good. Oh, yeah. Let me go over here, too. They're they're in the car with me, and they're mad because they can't listen to music. I said, I'm listening to Dr. Rogers now. You got to slow the music down. All right, that's great. Thank you, Brother Timothy. Okay, uh, let me go over to a brother that um, has, uh, who does one of our broadcasts on Thursday night from 6 to 8 on Central Time. Uh, he is a former uh, Wisconsin police officer, uh, and he does a lot of work on security, talking about defending our community and defending ourselves. Uh, uh, good afternoon, Brother Quasi. How you doing? All right, Doc Rogers. Good. Uh, wow. <laughs> Great. Let, let me ask you something, Brother Quasi. Um, what kind of a plan needs to be developed uh, in order to defend our community against these kind of animals that we see that was in Buffalo? Well, how do you do that? You know, I I think that we really need to uh, develop a code of conduct that we follow and that we just ingrain that in our kids and our, uh, you know, how we, how we, what we do, what we don't do. And, uh, and we have these checks and balances on a daily basis. Uh, you know, uh, we know um, I mean, how we operate. You know, I you know one of the things that was tearing me apart is that a lot of times you see these incidents, and this has been going on forever. Uh, but one of the things that you said earlier, you said how religion plays a part in it, and how. Uh, I heard uh, one of the people uh, talking, uh, a, a minister, in regards to the shooting, mm-hmm. uh, the killing, uh, the massacre in uh, Buffalo, New York, and he said, we forgive him, and we hope that God forgives him. And I'm, I, I just didn't know who he was speaking for. But I think one of the things that they've been able to, uh, to do to us, and uh, because we're at war right now, but they, they have us in a peaceful mindset, you know, whereas they can do all these horrific things to us, and we still want to talk about praying for them. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't see that. And, uh, and I think that we need to um, do what we do, how we protect ourselves, you know, and not police our own neighborhoods. Where I'm not talking about calling the police and this. I mean, we are going to be our police. We're going to train our people, get our people ready, men and women. And we have ways that we uh, just teach our people specifically. And that's something that we should be doing now. That's something that I've been trying to do. And it's it's been pretty difficult and stuff because of the uh, influence. You know, because I, most of the, one of the biggest problems I'm having right now is uh, religion. Okay. You know, people want to pray on it all the time. And, you know, and like I said, we're hearing all of that. But, I mean, we got to fight back. 
and I, and, you know, in the, in the, and when you look at all the riots that we've had, you know, uh, when you talk about the Tulsa riots, uh, and you know, somebody accused uh, uh, some black guy of looking at some girl or raping some girls, and they beat, hung multiple people and killed people and so forth. And and we were trying to say, hey, we were innocent. But I'm like, at what point do we like? It's time to fight. You know, arm up, do this, do that. And uh, I mean, because they, you, the law works for them, and we understand that it doesn't work for us. Some of us are going to die. We're going to have casualties. We're having that anyway. Might as well fight back. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and who who needs to who needs to initiate that? What does it need to be initiated from? Um, you know, how, I, how does that happen? I think. You know what? I think that you know, the men and women. Like I said, we have a code of conduct. This is how we operate in this household. You know. Okay. Uh, you know, this is our village, and for and so. On this whole block, and I remember when I was growing up, we, we knew uh, who the people we could go to on different times if something happened. Okay. You know, uh, I mean, we just had that. We had that going on. And because we were more unified because we had that, we all had the common enemy, and that was the white man. Right. And that hasn't changed. That has not changed. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think we're we're so confused that we're fighting each other more so than we're fighting them. Okay, okay. And I think in Buffalo, it just kind of opened some people's eyes to say, "Hey, man, this this is what's really going on." Okay, all right. So uh, let's let's keep that in mind. Let's. Um, I wanna I wanna ask a question about again, uh, and like I said, this is all over the country. Uh, you can't blame any one location uh, for this. Buffalo is, like I said, it is a, it does have some uh, systemic racism, economic problems, and poverty. Um, I want to, I want to know just maybe a little bit more about the city of Buffalo, uh, what the residents are. I know they had a, a, a riot. Uh, they got up and fought back in a way. It wasn't a riot, but it got up and fought back during the 60s, uh, something in 1967, uh, there was some uh, response in Buffalo. People said they weren't going to take it no more. Uh, not sure how all of that turned out. But um, uh, let's, let's, I, mean, I asked someone to join me uh, who, who is from the city of Buffalo, uh, who's lived there uh, all most of her life until she was in her 20s, and she left, and then... Uh, uh, still has family in Buffalo because as soon as the incident happened, I called her to find out if anybody in her family was part of that or any of that. And so prayerfully, she said no, it wasn't. But anyway, let's, let's, let's ask, let me ask a little bit about the city of Buffalo, uh, Buffalo and what might be some of the reasons. Because that's one of the coldest cities in America. I tell you, when that winter comes and that, that, that ice off of the Niagara, uh, out of Niagara Falls hits that area, you can't, you know, you can't even think about walking out in the street. So, uh, Miss Edwards, how are you doing today? I'm fine. I'm doing well. How are you? Okay, good. Um, what is it about Baltimore, maybe, that you can help us understand a little bit? Um, is there anything specific uh, that you could address 
in terms of life for African Americans even being there in that in Baltimore. I know it's a it's been a it's an industrial town in the early years, and uh, the Lackawanna mm-hmm. uh, is there, uh, something like this. Tell us a little bit about Buffalo from a residents' perspective. You know what? Uh, Buffalo was called the the city of friendly neighbors. I tell you, it's made up really of a lot of different ethnic groups okay. that migrated primarily. Like I'm not a historian. I'm just telling you my own point of right. view. Right? Yeah, please. Uh-huh. But you know, just a lot of people that came out of from uh, New York, you know, and just kept moving, you know, west. And so you just have that mixture of Polish and Irish and. You have German too, but not, it's not as strong as I, I don't think it's as strong there as it is here in Milwaukee. Um, but um, and then the Italians. So you have that same kind of you know ethnic blend, and then you have a lot of um, folks that what I've seen like here in Milwaukee, folks from Mississippi, but in Buffalo, it seems like you get a lot of folks from the eastern part of um, of the. Um, uh, United States, so, you know, southern United States, so especially like Alabama, so there are a lot of people there from Alabama, oh, okay. from um, North Carolina, you know, Alabama, North Carolina, and then, of course, um, I would say, uh, what is it, Virginia, you get some from, like, West Virginia, and, and that, you know, so to speak, and then um, some came up through Kentucky, through Ohio, and they kind of migrated into New York State. And part of that was because of the um, industries that were there. And so we had a major industry called Bethlehem Steel. Right. So Bethlehem Steel, which was located in Lackawanna, was a large employer of African Americans as well as um, um, the Ford Motor Companies and then, you know, um, Chevy, GM Chevy. So a lot of those um, auto industries um, hired a lot of um, African Americans, and they were making really good money. Right. And okay. uh, you know, um, climbing up the socioeconomic ladder. Of course, there were always, you know, the, the discrimination was always there. Right. Right. I did not see it as much as I see it here in Milwaukee. So, I think it was more in it. It was it was more intense. Okay. It's more intense here than what I noticed. So what did you? Why did your parents go there to settle? What was what was the attraction uh, for them uh, to coming there? At that well, time? you know, uh, Buffalo was one of the largest uh, uh, cities for African Americans outside of New York. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. Buffalo. Yeah, I've heard that. Buffalo. So because of that um, industry, you know, there were jobs. Okay. There, you know, there was plenty of of work to. Uh, employment opportunities and so that was one of the reasons why a lot of people migrated there I see okay yeah uh-huh. that very clearly he chose Buffalo specifically uh, and I was just wondering what was the and it said because of the number of African Americans well it was in his manifesto from what I understand that yeah. that's, that was the largest concentration of, of, of black folks um, and so that's where he was going to go. I think right. he appeared there the day before, posing as a beggar, and was asked by uh, one of the store owners, who happened to be African American, to leave the premises. Right, exactly. Now, um, didn't did Ford Motor Company have a plant there? Oh yeah, they had a, a very large plant there. 
uh, especially in um, the town of Lackawanna. So when you see that movie Lackawanna Blues, yes, of course. right, right. But you know, but it was a good. See, you had that um, that what is it? A train that the tra- uh, the train came out of New York, then it stopped in Buffalo, and then it moved on to Chicago. Well, it might have moved on to Cleveland and then to Chicago. Okay. And 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 so, yeah. Um, yeah, so then so Ford Motor Company, you know, was there in Lackawanna, and and there was a lot of entertainment entertainers that came through Buffalo, a lot of performers, because it was it was um it was financially doing very well, right. and so you had a lot of people coming up um, from there as well. But a lot of people came to work at the Ford Motor Plant, and so they called. You know, I was reading about um, Dr. George Carver, Washington right. Carver, and his his um relationship with Henry Ford. Right. And so um what what the story was saying is that um there was, you know, at one time an African American, I can't recall his name, but he had produced a car very similar to the the Model Four. Right. Model T or something right. like that. And That's so true. and you know, he was really um popular and people were buying his cars, but they couldn't produce them fast enough. But Anyway, this relationship that I understand that uh, out of the research that Dr. Carver was doing, Ford was very interested in, and so um, Dr. Carver showed him this plant, looks something like a lily of the valley from, from what I saw from the uh, visuals, and he told him, he says, now, this is what you have to do. You see how this, the stem of this flower has different branches on it? He said, that's what you have to do. You have to have an assembly line that produces each part. With that vision and ideology um, was the creation of a Ford motor plant, and that's why they call it the plant. And part of that relationship was that a lot of the people from Alabama that were working in, um, you know, that type of industry, they could go up to New York and they get a job working in the plant. Right, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. That is very interesting. And as a result, he started producing the cars faster and faster and became, right. you know, the leader in that automobile industry. Right. And I have heard some of that. I didn't know the one about that's where Ford got the idea for the plant, but I know it was something to do with assembly lines and how you, uh, the, manu- the development of, of an assembly line is built on a scientific theory uh, and how it works. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's very interesting, very interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Uh, no doubt about it. So, um, so Buffalo, uh, again, uh, it's like any American city. It has industry. It has uh, people that attempted to work. So a lot of the damage that was done in terms of the black community uh, is systematic and uh, perpetual uh, and, uh, and focused. You know, there was an attempt to, to disrobe black life like it is in most cities. There's a reason for that. There's discriminatory laws and things that are used to segregate and relegate blacks to areas of poverty. Uh, it's all a part of urban planning. Uh, that's how it's done, you know, a lot through that. Begin to uh, force people into areas and obviously it creates a problem. Uh, again, one of the things here in Milwaukee is that uh, at one point, African Americans lived in the what was called the Central City, 
it was right near a lot of all of the businesses and companies and organizations. Um, there was an attempt made uh, to uh, to ship African Americans back out to, to redistrict and redline them out of the central city, move them to the suburb areas, um, making it very difficult for them to get back down into the industry without relevant transportation and things like that. So there's a lot of the lot of that going on, and then there's been attempts to put in rail lines where they can travel from one end and nobody wanted to do that. So it's just, uh, you can see the pattern and see how it leads to people doing uh, what happened. Uh, again, I'd like to just remind our audience once more, please, uh, mute your telephone. These sounds are coming through, and I don't want to call out anybody's numbers, but they are coming through and they are very distracting. I really appreciate it if you could do that rather than me do it, because uh, so, I can also mute them as well. But we want to be able to, to get there. So yeah, I'm not I'm not fussing too much. I just want you to be mindful of that. Let you know that that noise is loud. Um, so I got a couple of Durham folks that I keep hearing that noise. So please, uh, you know, it's, it's the slightest movement of your telephone uh, can do that. Okay. All right. Let me go um, uh, and ask this question. Let's go over to uh, Roxborough, uh, 336. 504. Um, Carla, what, what would you say about the quote uh, that I indicated that we were running, the pro running our program from today on, by James Baldwin, which says that white people are trapped in a history they don't understand? Does that make any sense to you? Is that something that, uh, uh, that may shed some light on uh, understanding what, what happened in Buffalo? Roxbell, 336-504. 336-504, you just listening? Okay, all right, you just listening? That's fine. 919-423, uh, does, that, does that quote make any sense to you? 919-423, just listening? You might have your phone muted. I know uh, I was told that you might want to uh, say something. 919-423. Let me go one more time. 919-423. Okay, so maybe you just, just listen. 919-956. 919-956. Yes, sir, Dr. Rogers. Good, good. I'm here. Yeah, I think you're right. Here. Right. I think some of these these numbers you call now they first time, first timers and they probably really don't quite know what to know how to just come on in. I think that's what it is. So they might have their phone muted. I did indicate that you know just take the phone off of mute now, and they can come. Yeah, because mm -hmm, because some of them I you know some of them uh, you know told me that a couple of them texted me and told me they were listening. So okay. you might want to maybe go back to them and now they know what's going on. But what I wanted to do is uh uh you know the uh when we talk about this killing in buffalo um first of all brother quasi gave some very good solutions and uh brother timothy uh, also had some 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 pretty good solutions now one thing i noticed and that is you look at elijah muhammad 
he claimed that no matter what we do, no matter how much teaching we do in terms of critical race theory, like you were saying, or teaching the facts about history or right. letting them understand what really went on, Elijah Muhammad say it's in the very nature of the white man to be a devil and nothing can change him. Right. That's Elijah Muhammad. That's not necessarily me, but I just want to throw that out. And one reason I'm throwing it out because I'm finding out that a lot of our people who have not come up during the time of the Nation of Islam and the teachings of Elijah Muhammad, they don't know that. So I'm just, I just want to make that clear. Uh, not Like I said, not so much for you and other people, but they just don't know that. But that was the teaching of the honorable Elijah Muhammad, that the white man cannot change. He was created by nature to bring mischief and bloodshed to the face of the earth and you cannot right that was his teaching but then later on his son came along and that's what I really want to talk about W.D. Muhammad he talked about something that I'm beginning to realize and that you're really saying yourself uh, though not using the same words he says that Caucasian people W.D. Muhammad I'm talking about Y.D. Muhammad Y.D. Muhammad in his book The Teachings of W.D. Muhammad he says that Caucasian people operate from a grafted Caucasian mentality. Right. A graft, he said a white man has a grafted Caucasian mentality. And to those who may not be familiar, uh, he, he, he defined the graft. If you look at in the plant kingdom or the kingdom of botany, you'll find that when you graft a plant, you attach another plant or another twig onto the original plant and then you have something that comes out that's neither one or the other it's a graft yeah. it's from the original right. and a part of the original but it's not the original exactly. and when you look at and then, then W.D. Muhammad also said that white people have been uh, uh, over many years had lies and falsehood and, and, and um, untruth planted into their minds and that's like when you graft a plant. And so, therefore, he said they operate from this grafted mentality. And this grafted mentality, then, you can't see critical race theory. They, 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 they only understand white supremacy. They only understand that the cowboys came to America to civilize the Native Americans who are already here right. and to push the whole idea of, 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 um, of manifest destiny. You know, that it was their destiny that was manifest by God for them to spread Christianity to the world. Right, exactly. And so many white people believed this growing up because they had this grafted mentality. It wasn't pure. It wasn't whole. It didn't have the history of African people uh, uh, in Kemet or in Ethiopia or in African people who built civilizations in India and China. None of that was taught to them. They had this grafted or this unnatural uh, 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 way of thinking, and that's what many of them today operate out of. They operate out of that kind of thinking. They don't know. They know all they believe is that they were the original people on the planet and that they brought civilization to the whole world and that black people are inferior and that they are superior. That's what white people believe. And they took religion, you're right, and they took religion and justified that by making all of the religious it. figures white. 
Exactly. They justified it through through the so called religion. Their that 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 perspective of Christianity because it wasn't real Christianity. No, it wasn't but they real justified Christian. it, like you said, through their religion. And so that's what's in the minds of these white people, like the eighteen year old kid, he probably got it from his parents and he probably got it from their grandparents and it goes back when they check him out, you're probably gonna find that's the case. And that's the kind of thinking that they operate out of. That's right. So until they get the, the whole truth and understand that they were taught by African people and that these African people whom they hate and whom they detest are the ones that took care of their children, built the whole system of America by going around the world, by taking people like Alexander Hamilton from Nevis, who's a black man who set up the whole financial institution in America and got it rolling, used everybody on the planet that, and, 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 and none of these people get credit for it. The white man sees himself as the God. And until that graphic Caucasian mentality is destroyed and is cut down, mm-hmm. and then some new thinking goes into his mind, then he'll never be uh, 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 any better than the, 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 the one that shot the, the, the 10 people in Buffalo, New York. Now, as like mom said, it doesn't matter. You can't change them. But W.D. Muhammad said it's the thinking. That, and see, what's so bad about it, as I conclude, Dr. Rogers, what's so bad about it is that many black people believe the same way that white people do. And they, uh, uh, you know, they have the same mentality, too. So going back to recap, that all of our minds need to be changed and need to be recaptured and need to be based on truth and facts and and and. Um, uh, not ideology and philosophy and beliefs and falsehood and deception. We need to be fed the truth, and only when the human being is fed truth can he begin to operate from a premise based on truth and facts as opposed to lies and falsehood. That's exactly right. Can I jump in real quick and, and just respond quickly let, let, to let, that? Let him just finish. <laughs> uh, Sister Bakita, let him finish, and then you go right in Go, go go ahead and complete your statement, brother. That's that's that, that's about that's about it, Doctor Rogers. I didn't want to didn't want to take it up, but I just been listening and I just wanted to make oh, those okay. points. Good, thank you so much. Okay, Sister Evans, and, and, I, and I'm still on too. All right. I I like what he's saying and I agree with it, and I also just wanted to say this from from another perspective, is that even if they knew the truth, some of them might. He's so envious of it that it would still create a system of hatred in their heart because it would be a jealousy and they would try to deny it in their mind that that it even existed. I had one student, the white students, tell me it's all about the fittest. It's all about survival of the fittest. And that is the code that they operate on. And so if they feel that even though I know all of this, guess what? I'm in a world that is a capitalistic world. It's a competitive world. And it's a world that in order for me to be on top, I've got to put somebody at the bottom. Then guess what? That's why I'm going to operate. Right. Exactly. I like that. I like and, that. And, uh, I like mm-hmm. that. Okay. We're going to uh, take a quick break and then we're going to come back. Um, just got to pay a, pay a couple of bills here. Uh, but I want to open up to some more of our callers. So, again, if you uh, – I've been calling some of your numbers and you weren't answering, so your phone might be muted. 
Uh, you might want to unmute that because I'm going to come back and all that. And then I want you to think about, for those of you who might have read this book, that this is a book that I think uh, needs to be brought into this discussion, but unfortunately, we won't have enough time to do it. It's a book by Sister Marimba Ani called Yorugu. Uh, and this speaks to a lot of what Dr. Bridges was saying just now. Uh, Yorugu is a powerful publication. Um, it is uh, it's good reading, it's tough reading, uh, and it needs to be done in a study group format. Uh, but we we want to mention a little bit more about that when we come back. So let's take a quick break and uh, uh, pay a bill here or two, and then we'll come right back. uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today. At you are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. On time for an awakening media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Okay, we are back. Uh, okay, somebody is blowing their nose and coughing and everything. They need to turn that mic off, Doc. Yeah, I've, I've been asking that <laughs> continuously. And I really would appreciate if someone would do that because it is really distracting. You would have to kind of be on my end of it to hear it, but it just really does. Okay, uh, so we're back, and uh, we uh, appreciate all of you here. We are talking about um, the embryo of, of racism in America. What is the gut of that? What does it mean? We're not just isolating one incident. There's a whole lot of incidents uh, about this racism that we see and these killings uh, and this, the sickness 
uh, of all of this, and we want to uh, address it. We are, we are, we are mandated. Uh, we are mandated by our ancestors to respond to this. Uh, did not let this go and go undone. Uh, we we have a duty to our children and our children's children uh, to do something about this. You know, we can talk all we want to about our grandkids and how we love them and you watch, watch them play. But if you don't address this, they may not be here to see that. That's where you got to look at it. This is this is gut bucket stuff. You got to examine it from that perspective. They don't have a future if we don't address this. Because these folks are not going to stop. As we, as we are saying, we keep telling you, they're not going to stop. So one of the things, again, even in the process of, of enlightenment, to around all of this, I, I did suggest earlier a book um, called um, Yerugu. And Yerugu is by Sister Marimba Ani, and it's basically on the philosophical development of the white race and what they are. And I want to mention also that there are a lot of white uh, theoricians that have also written about this sickness. Uh, there's a book by a guy named Joel Covell, uh, K-O-V-O-L, called White Racism, A Psychohistory. And he does a good job of chronicling uh, some of what he sees from, he's a psychiatrist from the psychiatric perspective. Uh, and uh, he is uh, following in the pattern of a sociologist historian uh, by, by uh, named Winthrop Jordan, who wrote a book called White Over Black, uh, which deals also with the long history and then we've got a brother named Kahende X who wrote a book called Stamped from the Beginning. And in that publication, he goes a history, a, a graphic uh, documentary history of uh, a lot of the ideology and philosophy that the, the Caucasians have used in diminishing black people and others outside of the, of the white race. Uh, and those are the kinds of things that create the sickness. And as I said earlier, uh, it had been rooted in the church. Uh, all of this bitter, rabid racism is rooted, rooted in Christian ideology. And it's just the way it is. We know it's not true, but it's the way it's used and the way it's taught and used by the church. So with that, let me go over here to Brother Lush. How you doing tonight, Brother Lush? <laughs> Excuse me, good evening, uh, Dr. Rogers. I have to jump on and jump off. Uh, yeah, off I saw that, you did. I saw you. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm doing all right. You, uh, you're still talking about the Buffalo shooting, yeah? Well, we, yeah, but we're really talking about the, the, like I said, the guts of it, of what, what is the spirit behind all of this? Yeah, but yeah, we are I talking see. about the Buffalo killer. Yeah, I see. Um, you know, Dr. Rogers, I um. Sometimes uh, in the quietness since the event had happened, um, I, and maybe maybe it's something wrong with me, <laughs> but I really wish that there was some kind of way that we could have been able to confront the shooter before this ever even happened. Right. Just a wishful thinking kind of thing. But... Um, and that's something tangible. I mean, it, it is it is scary when you see someone with a weapon, and he's dressed the way that he's dressed, and to uh, try to be a hero, 
at a, a moment like that is, is really difficult. It's really, really challenging. But as it pertains to the roots, as you mentioned, how can we, the question you have is, how can we confront it? How can we look it straight into its own eyes and be able to fight back? Um, is, is the question that I ask of your question. Sometimes I just wonder, um, have, have we been so programmed not to say anything, okay. not to do anything, Good point. Um, that, that, you know, as long as I got mine, it's every man for himself, save yourself kind of philosophy that we operate under. Um, and then it changes so much so it evolves in different kinds and types of ways that you don't really know. You think you're looking at it. But then it evolved into something else, and it moved to the right. It's sort of like one of those cartoon characters that uh, appear and disappear kind of thing and reappear again. Um, I just kind of wonder. Uh, I, I just wish that um, at the moment of the Buffalo shooting that there were uh, brothers or, uh, or sisters or whomever who were able to stop him right there at that moment and confront him um, for him not to get a shot off if at all possible. Right, right. But then, but that, that's wishful thinking on one end. On the other end, with regards to looking at the root causes of all of this, are we educated enough? Are we able to look it straight in the eye and say no or stop or move out of the way? Um, and so, uh, or get back, or something, to be able to neutralize. And again, it's wishful thinking, but that's my comments and uh, my Beautiful. contribution for this evening. Good. Thank you so much, Brother Les. Thank you. And that, that, those are some of the real questions that we, we have to ask. You, you know, even though uh, they, as unpleasant as they may be, you've got to ask yourself. Uh, because, see, African people came to the planet equipped with a special kind of sensory system uh, that okay. comes from our ancestors. Uh, we are able to have, we have a discerning spirit, many of us, that we use to detect problems that just went along with our birth. And what, and so the question I'll ask is what happened when Dylan Roof put his hand on that knob and opened that church door and walked in uh, and had never been in there before on a, and doing a Bible study and sat down uh, to worship. Why didn't somebody pick up something? Where was the spirit of things, that, that African yes. spirit? You yes. know what I mean? Does that, does that make any sense? Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. And, and let me just add just one more point uh -huh. because if Buffalo, if that neighborhood was as it is, uh, totally blackified, uh, quote unquote, for some, look, already you have a, a store that's the only store in that neighborhood that has to stand itself out, right? Right. And we see that. I, I mean, you one would have to question him or herself. Why am I patronizing? I, I guess I have no other choice. I don't want to travel five miles to the other place and hell and prices of gas the way that it is. I'll be using up money to to try to help 
sustain where I am. Right. But so so you have a store that that says that or kind of has that position, and but you then you have a guy, a loner, a lone wolf, to walk in the kind of neighborhood that he was in. Right. And nobody stopped him. Nobody. Honestly. And he was in so, there. He was in the store begging. Well. Well, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I, I have full of mixed emotions, especially yeah, do, at the yeah. quiet times of my, my uh, uh, time. And, and I just say, if there were only a way, to, maybe that could have been a time to rob him and say, hey, man, you know, you got your real hard neck, brother, the, you know, what you doing in this neighborhood? Yeah, and, then, know, he, and then he's got on that. Oh, thing like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just want to jump in real quick and say Buffalo is – that area, there's a there's a lot of even though it's predominantly black, there's a lot of whites that 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 go there. There's a lot of whites in that in and out that area, and for the most part, you know, like I said, it's not unusual to see blacks and whites talking together, this and the other. So, um, okay, you 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 know, you wouldn't suspect the guy, and like I said, the lady, the one of the uh, managers asked him to leave he was in there begging the day before and she had told him he couldn't come back in that store okay so when he comes out of his car he immediately starts shooting and the, the officer the security guard fired several shots at him but the man had armor on so all the shots you know they bounced off him and then he shot the security guard and killed him so maybe that answers uh the question that Right. Uh, and you know, but 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 it, but the point is, it is questions that we have to ask. I guarantee you, if Brother Lush and myself would walk into an all-white grocery store with armor on to, to the hilt, even though we may not have revealed our lesson, we wouldn't have got uh, a foot in from that front door without being pushed back out and police called and all the things that they, they do that go along with that. You know, so that that's okay. But let's let's move on. Let me ask them. Um, um, three three six. Doctor Rogers, Sister Venetia. Uh, what you think? What do you think, uh, Sister Venetia? Um, what about that instinct that you know you talk about a lot that we have that discerning attitude, spirit? What happened? Why didn't that kick in? What, what's happened to it? Three three six. Uh, oh, go ahead. I I'll, I'll come to you in just okay. a minute, Sister. I'll come to you in just a second. Uh, three three okay. six six two one. Okay, go on, my sister. Uh, 804 uh, Yes. Um, I believe what happened Dr. is it's, it's like a um, battered relationship. When you're in a battered relationship, you learn a sense of um, helplessness. And we are in a... In a, in a hold, hold on just a, one second. Uh, sister Benicio, I'll come back to you. Hold on a second. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Go right ahead, sister. Okay, in a, in a in an abusive relationship, the point is to leave. Where do black people have to go? We are having to exist in an abusive relationship where we have a learned sense of helplessness, where you learn not to protect yourself. You're in this honeymoon stage, usually when the abuser abuses the woman or vice versa. There's a honeymoon stage where they're offering gifts and they're sorry and all of that. And I think black people, because we have nowhere to go, 
that we stay in a perpetual honeymoon stage with white people, believing they're going to change, hoping they're going to change, wishing they're right. going to change, and the reality is they're not. But when you have a learned sense of helplessness, you forget and you no longer have the ability to protect yourself. And so as long as we are in this quasi-state, this holding pattern, then we can read till we're blue in the face. We can philosophize till we're blue in the face. But when we are healthy, it is instinctive to protect yourself. And we have lost that because we have nowhere to go. And so the ideal situation is you leave an abusive relationship. Where do we go? And so I I think that um, it's a fine line, and you've had some people, and I'll end with this because I'm not talking about fighting violence. But what I am saying is I was in a meeting one time at a, at a, at a place downtown in Richmond. This white, it was nothing but black people in this, in this little space where we were discussing things. This white boy just walks in. Mm-hmm. It was nighttime. The door was open. And we just sat there. Nobody stood and said, hey, what the hell are you doing in here? Where are right, you coming right, from? What you right. doing here? Nothing. We just sat there. The men sat there. The women sat there. We froze. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was nighttime. Where was this? What was this white boy doing here? Why was he in this space? Why did he walk in? And so I, I really think that we have lost the barometer that says I need to protect myself, right. and I am not going. I will be proactive. And not and, and not be reactive and be and be paralyzed. And so I think that the paralyzation until we accept that we have a right to protect ourselves, I don't I don't know. And it has to come back because that is exactly the problem. We we do not have that as you called it, I like that barometer. Uh that's that's not working. Um and uh very clearly, it's it's killing us. It's wiping out our children. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, sister. I appreciate that. Appreciate those comments, uh, Doctor Bridges. You might want to call your uh, your friend six three three seven that you asked me and see if his phone is muted. If you wanted to say something, and I'll go to Sister Bernice yeah. and come back. To yeah, he's, he, he's, he, yeah, he's been, he's been texting me, so I know he's listening. So call on him and see what he says. He's definitely listening. Okay, well, I'm brother gonna, Terrence, brother I'm Terrence. Call Sister Benicia, then I'm gonna call on him next. Okay, uh, Sister okay, Benicia. brother Terrence is his name, brother Terrence Neal, and he had he let a whole lot of people know about the program. I I just texted him. I said, tell them to make a comment. So he's yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, because he we talked earlier in the beginning of the program. He said, you know, so I'll call him in just a minute. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sister Benicia, how you doing? Sister Bernice? Three three six six two one. Can you hear me, Doc? Okay, now I can hear you. Okay. I was actually trying to talk um talk to you from my brother's phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and okay. I have my phone on too. My brother's here with me. 
Okay. And he wants to he have he wants to share too, you know, if you uh Okay. So I'm not even gonna take a lot of time because I see uh, but anyway, greetings, greetings family. It's been so long. Yeah. Uh since I've been on the show. It's it's a pleasure to hear everybody well, not a pleasure, but it's it's good to hear uh like minds talk because the situation is not pleasurable. Um but you know, Doc, you said something that I was thinking when I first you know, when we talked about the topic. And that is Marimba Ani with Yudu Yurugu. If we don't understand that we're dealing with, as Dr. Marimba Ani calls, incomplete being. If we don't understand, that's what Yurugu means. If we don't understand that we're, we're dealing with incomplete beings, we'll be having the same conversations forever until we're killed off. I want to be real clear about that, um, because the majority of our people believe that we'll just vote it away somehow, we'll change the system, we'll march enough, you know, we'll put enough flowers around dead persons, you know, our brothers and dead persons, brothers and sisters, you know, uh, location where they were murdered, you know, where they'll feel sorry or some kind of, you know, uh, oh, I did wrong, I have some kind of moral, you know, feelings of morality, that ain't in them. Right, exactly. So we we waste a lot of time, uh, and this is not to be offensive, but just to be straight, we waste a lot of time analyzing, you know, uh, Buffalo, Milwaukee, New York, California. We're being killed all over the place here. Then they're just about killed off the Australians. I'm sorry, the Aboriginals in Australia. They just about killed them off. That's a whole continent of black people that has been just about killed off. Right. The the millions of Africans that have been and are currently being killed off for resources. So we're dealing with people who are incomplete so that humanity deficit disorder exists in them. And we don't need any other explanations. It's trying to explain, I always said, it's, it's trying to explain why a lion is preying on a hyena. That's what they do, damn it. that's what they do that's in the story now thankfully it's not all whites because a lot of them are waking up and saying wait a minute you know we've been lied to too of course black people have been lied to we've been called beasts like you said earlier and whatnot but white people are seeing this and some of them are rebelling but uh just as many that are rebelling and saying hey a minute hey we've been lied to you have and i hadn't heard this mentioned um, and that's irrelevant, but I'm going to mention the white supremacist groups that are just like quadrupling all on the Internet. That's right. There are so many neo-Nazi groups now that that, you know, that dog, or whatever his name was, uh, that killed people in, in Buffalo, there's, there's, I think it was a 200% increase in white supremacist neo-Nazi groups. That's right. White killers. That's what they're, they're killers. Like you said, they're incomplete people. Right, right. So, so if if here's the thing, our people don't understand that. Right. So our job, right, in terms of solution, our job is to come hell or high water by any means necessary. Teach the masses right. what we're dealing with. Because you ask the average rapper, uh, they're gonna say, "Well, there's no racism because I'm making a million dollars." Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know. And so, or whoever has some people. Like Yes, whoever has some 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 type of success, you know, they're not going to want to speak the truth. They're not going to want to see the truth. Exactly. And then all of the millions of, of of black folk that have been 
uh, Christianized by Eurocentric Christianity, they want to remain blind. They don't want to see. Right. They want Jesus to rescue them because they can't handle the despair that they they really feel, most of them, um, if there's no Jesus to rescue them. Exactly. So, you know, if we could deal with some bottom line issues, my, my brother and I were talking about something. I hope he, he can uh, say something yeah, oh, about gonna, the white gonna, boy that came, that, that wrote a book. Right. And he's on YouTube talking about white people and how we better stop expecting them to change. Right. Right. You know, so, so it always comes down to um, we're dealing with sick, twisted people right. who have organized, I want to focus, organized their hatred against us globally and are killing us off globally cuba i'm sorry cuba brazil they're killing us off globally mm -hmm. that's true that's and right. so they they've organized their hatred mm -hmm. we need to organize go back to revolutionary organizing and um and unify because it's unity or perish that's the bottom line exactly Oh, and we right. can't do this, you know, I know it would be nice to have a black hero come and, you know, stop some of this stuff, but it's not going to stop what's happening to, happening to us across America and globally. Right. I like that. Yeah, so they've organized their hatred. We have to organize as revolutionaries. That is the only solution. All the other ways have not happened. Um, and I'll say this, uh, the last piece. Look at what was successful. We... Um, Dr. Bayana Bello says it all the time. The Haitian Revolution was successful. We got to study it. Right. Okay. Study it, replicate it, and 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 get rid of the the, the demons. Okay. I like that. I like that. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Great. Very good. Hey. Uh, if uh, if any of our listening audience uh, online or either um, on the internet, if you have any uh, doubts about that incomplete, what that really means, I, I would suggest, again, as uh, Sister uh, Jan said, to look at uh, the book, Yerugo, by Sister Ani, uh, Marumba Ani, and that would help you. And then another thing that you can do, too, if you're really kind of confused about what, what does it mean to be incomplete, I would suggest that you get you know, a lot of times symbols are used uh, to empower us. There's two symbols I recommend that you look at. Uh, look at the symbol of Chauvin with his knee on the neck of George Floyd and his hand in his pocket. And just look at that picture. That's incomplete. Mm, mm. The yeah. emptiness in his eyes, you can see it. Yeah, look, like, look in his eyes and look at him just sitting there taking the life out of that man with his knee on his neck. That's incomplete. And the second picture is take a look at the photograph of Emmett Till. Mm. And there you have incomplete. Of the fact that who could do something mm. like that. Okay, uh, let me uh, go to that brother and uh, my brother in North Carolina, 919-423. Are you there, my brother? Yes, sir, I am. Can you hear me? Okay, now we got you. I've been calling you for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All what, right. What are some of your First thoughts around this? Yes, and then I'm going to come yes, to my um, brother from Detroit. I'll be to you next. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, first and foremost, uh, thank you, Dr. Bridges, for sharing the link with me and 
thank you, Dr. Rogers, for yes, sir. hosting a, a, an excellent show. Um, in response to the last caller, I want to start there because she made a lot of great and interesting points. Um, one thing that uh, stood out was when she said that she feels like whites are waking up. Um, I don't agree with that. Um, just because if they were waking up, as she put it, you wouldn't see this continuous attack on black people because they are in the position of power in this country. So if they were waking up, then they would be taking a position against these injustices and we wouldn't be seeing these attacks. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was when you talked about D Dylan Roof earlier yes, and you asked uh, why no one confronted him in the church. But we have to keep in mind the approach that uh, Christians have, especially the black ones. As a matter of fact, not Christians, but black Christians. Right. Remember, they really believe in what's in the Bible. They believe in that content. So they believe in loving their enemies, right? They right. believe in turning the other cheek. So I would say that uh, that would describe why you saw a lack of force being used. If you remember, um, shortly after the uh, Dylan Ruth incident, it wasn't even a full 24 hours before they were already praying for the shooter. Remember? Yep, that's right. That's right. But uh, all right. that's all, and, and thanks again, Dr. Bridges. I appreciate you plugging me into the uh, the show tonight. I um, also appreciate the book that you gave me, Recapturing the African Mind. Great oh, yeah. book. Yeah. Um, I encourage everyone out there um, that wants a basic foundation on our people, how we got to this point, and what we should do moving forward, should take a look at that book, Recapturing the African Mind by Dr. Bruce Bridges. No Thank you. I appreciate it. No doubt about it. Thank you so much. Uh, because that's kind of what we are suggesting. We've got to recapture the African mind. And by the way, brothers and sisters, real quickly, because we only got a few minutes left, uh, Dr. Bridges is um, on uh, Saturday. He has been lecturing on his book uh, every Saturday at uh, it's 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern, uh, on the Blog Talk radio system program called African American Empowerment. Uh, excellent program. Uh, I've had the opportunity to also... Uh, appear on the program and talk about Carter Woodson's book, The Miseducation of the Negro. Dr. Bridges, do you know that number at the top of your head? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I probably called you on the spot and made you forget it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. 845 <laughs> <laughs> okay, repeat it one Maybe more time. Maybe Brother George. Yeah, two seven. Yeah, somebody else might call who knows off the top. I know I got the eight four five two seven seven uh, part of it right. Eight four five two seven seven. Eight four five eight four five two seven seven nine two five zero. I started to say that, but I didn't want to be wrong. Right? Eight four five two seven seven ninety two fifty this coming Saturday at two o'clock Dr. Rogers will be the guest speaker on that program for those who are tuned in right Doc? Uh, no, no I've got a I've got a bypass it this Saturday because I gotta go out of town uh, but oh I, man okay we need to work on that then okay but eight four five two seven seven ninety two fifty at two o'clock this Saturday afternoon right. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Maxwell was probably trying to get in too because you all made a couple of statements about that church. He wanna talk about the revolutionary church, I believe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. And we need to get him I don't I don't know if he's on or not, but I have been texting him. Yeah, he, uh, he he might be. That's a Roxborough number on here. I think that might be it. I did call him earlier, didn't I didn't answer. Uh but let me go to the Motor City. 
my brother hadn't heard from him in a while. Uh, Sister Benicia was uh, brother. So Detroit, Michigan. Uh, let me unmute your phone a minute. Uh, yes, sir. Motor City. How you doing? I'm fine. How you doing, Dr. Rogers? Fine, my brother. Fine, fine. Okay, I have a comment, and I also have a question. Okay. My, my comment is about Roman Catholic Christianity and how the Bible was written not for us. Right. It was written for them because we already had uh, we already had in us the ability to love each other, to treat each other right, not to kill, not to murder. That was already in us, right. but it was not in them. So this, this, Good point. this uh, Bible was written for them Good to point. teach them not to kill, not to rob, not to eat each other. So that's my comment about the Roman Catholic. My question, I would, if anybody can answer this. Uh, did Shakespeare help write the King James version of the Bible? Say, say it once more. Say it again. Was Shakespeare actually a, a participant in writing the King James Bible? Good, good, good point. Good point. Um, is Dr. Maxwell, are you on 336-504? Is that you, Dr. Maxwell? 336-504. No, that's somebody else. He's a, he's a. Okay, he he may not be old, but let me say uh, this. Basically, and I'd like to respond to that too, Doctor Rogers. Okay, you get yeah, to I will. I'll turn it right to you. Uh, from what I've gathered, uh, King James, who was uh, his name was James Stuart. He was a Stuart king of England, and this is around the 1600. Um, a lot of of Shakespeare's. Real quickly, a lot of his Shakespeare's writings were masquerade. He did not always put his name to a lot of stuff. And so that has a lot to do with what many feel uh, is, is his input, uh, particularly in the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament are actually ancient records that had existed before. A lot of them have come out of a book called the Apocrypha, uh, but mainly okay. um, some of the New Testament writings uh, and those who have looked at it, they, they say his tone, the tone, the usage of certain words are Shakespearean in nature, but it's no documented proof that anybody has actually come up with that, that this was Shakespeare. So from, from that, to answer your question, um, there's nothing definite. Dr. Bridges? Yes, sir, there's nothing definite, but um, there, there are uh, uh, some books that talk about the fact that uh, uh, Shakespeare was actually uh, 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 speaking for King James, and they really were same same person, but there's no no uh, confirmed evidence about right, that. Right. But we do know, yeah. we do know that uh, there's a book called The Secret Teachings of All Ages, and I spoke on it about 30 years ago, about how King James was, and, and, and Shakespeare were really the same person, and that even in the scriptures there are certain uh, uh, um, um, scripture references to let you know that it was Shakespeare and that they were all part of the Rosicrucian movement or the secret societies yeah, that, was, that existed during that time. And that's another whole lecture. Yeah, that's a but, whole uh, other day. <laughs> yep. It is. And when you mention the Stuart family is very interesting. They were ruthless. They were bloodthirsty. bloodthirsty. And the Stuart family was a black family out of Scotland. And King James became the first black king of England. 
uh, and the sixth uh, king of Scotland. But that's another whole story. But yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, your that's good. That's up. good. That's exactly correct. And uh, so it's nothing concrete, but that is an interesting history of time. And one other point to add on to that story uh, about King James, about Shakespeare and King James, a lot of King of, of Shakespeare's writings, some of them we we see, some of them we don't see. Um, that's right. He was writing about the Moors because the Moors <laughs> in the 1600s were were dominating Europe. And he was right now. We know we know in Othello, he talked about the Moors, uh, but in the one um, in Macbeth and Hamlet, very well could have been Moors, and a lot of that came out when Denzel Washington recently played the part of Macbeth uh, in Broadway, and, and the question became, how could he do that? And some folk made statements. He was able black. He Macbeth was black anyway. Uh, and I don't know if you got a chance to see that that uh, adaptation of Macbeth with uh, with Denzel Washington playing Macbeth. Uh, so, anyway, that's 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 it. Does that answer your question, my brother? Yes, it does. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank Dr. you so much. Rogers. Yes, sir. Dr. Go right Rogers. ahead. This is Bonito. I just wanted to say when I said the white people are waking up. Yes. I didn't say that that meant that they were going to do anything. <laughs> All right, I said they're waking up, okay. and so it might help them to destroy each other. Okay, that's all right. All right, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Beautiful. Well, we are we are at that time. Uh, I wish we had some more to talk about this, uh, because like I said, you can't deal with this in two hours. But you know, we can at least bring out some points. Um, one of the things out of this, there's a couple of things I really would suggest that you do. Uh, that you read the Recapturing the African Mind by Dr. Bruce Bridges, and you read Marimba Ani's book, Dr. Marimba Ani's book, Yorugu, uh, that helps you understand, and that you go back and you look at the picture of Chauvin's knee on the neck of George Floyd, and look at his eyes and his hands in his pocket, and you will see the incompleteness uh, that we are talking about, and then take a look at Emmett Till's picture and ask how can another person do another human being this way. Uh, those things will help us, helps you sort of uh, uh, mitigate all of that inside of your soul and your spirit as we look at this. We, we will, as always, visit this again because this is a topic that doesn't go away. It's not going to go away uh, because that incompleteness is always going to be there. And so we're going to have to respond. We just got to do some things in the Brother Lush said, we got to come up with some real credible, uh, specific solutions. And I think that's something that we all have to work on. Brother Timothy, you wanted to say something. You got two minutes. Brother Timothy, I saw you text me. Brother Timothy? Yeah, yes, sir. I, brother, I just want to say to you, I like the brainchild uh, of Brother Bruce Business and yourself and all the intellectuals that come on here because he brought a different point when it comes to Shakespeare. And how Malcolm broke down Shakespeare, and he talked about Shakespeare was it was his pen name, and he said only a king could write like that. But we got I like to get into that the biblical thing and, and break it down. Yeah, you know we got to come back on that, man. That's that's some heavy stuff, man. Yeah, we do you have know? to revisit it. I want to do that. I had been wanting to do that before, uh, but uh, we yeah. will. We will. I want to get some clergy on here. That's, I want to do that when we do it. 
Uh, so right. Right. Yeah, right. That, that, that character, Shakespeare, who was born and died on the same day. The day that he was born, he died on that same day, yeah. according to historians. I don't know how true is that was an actual character. Yeah, and that's important to us because, you know, like I said, you know, the Moors were running Europe at that time when he, when he was writing. Uh, they, they were running Europe. Uh, and so we need to understand that Moorish history as well. Uh, they were coming out of Morocco and they wrote about that history in both negative and positive ways. Okay, my brothers and sisters, have a wonderful week. We will see you again on uh, next Tuesday night right here on the Black Reality Center. Oh